college seems to be the place where most young people figure life out, or at least it's where young people are expected to figure life out. Sometime in our junior or senior year, we consider that question, what do you want to be when you grow up, seriously? We start thinking of our interests and our passions and what, what brings us joy and excitement, and we pick out a major that best coincides with what's on our hearts in hopes that we would find the career that we would love for a lifetime to come. This is a critical time in the lives of young people, and these are big decisions to make. A few weeks ago, I met with some of my gal pals from high school. We all practically grew up together um, and graduated in the same class, and in this picture, you'll see Alicia, who just returned from basic training uh, with the Air Force, and Raya, who returned from a year of service in Kuwait with the National Guard. And we sat down and enjoyed a bowl of pho together. And we began to reminisce on our years from high school, caught up on our current lives, and of course complained about how hard adulting is. Someone brought up the fact that when we were younger, we thought that all 20-something-year-olds seemed to have it figured out, those we knew in college, and that now that we were that age, we felt dubbed because they made it look so easy. My friends tease me about how I'm one of those 20-year-olds that has it all figured out, which I promise I don't. I'm just really good at faking. But Alicia ended the banter by saying, seriously, I'm proud of you. You knew what you were gonna do in middle school and stuck with it. Me, I went to cosmetology school, I'm in college, I joined the military, and I still don't know my purpose in life. I really wish the stuff came with a manual. And we all just nodded our head in agreement. She's right, finding our way through life, navigating the dark and dangerous terrains of our world comes with no manual, no tour guide. But we are kingdom people, not worldly people. And as kingdom people, we have a manual to help us find our way to life abundant. The manual is scripture. It's the good news of our faith, and it is found in the teachings and actions of Jesus. All through scripture, we find inspiration that leads to a life well-lived, a life full of meaning, driven by divine purpose. As kingdom people, the blueprint has been laid out for our benefit. The way each of us run our own individual ways may differ, but scripture is pretty consistent in the idea of what makes a good and faithful life, which is built on the foundation of love, as we'll find in our scripture reading this morning. I'm reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 16. Um, you might note 
the title change. I'm also using uh, the CEB version of the Bible. Hear these words. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil. Hold on to what is good. Love each other like members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground in, when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Contribute to the need of God's people and welcome the stranger into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and do not curse them. Be happy with who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and do not think that you're better than anyone else. Instead, associate with people who have no status and don't think that you are so smart. This is the word of God for the people of God. The book of Romans is the longest letter written by Paul who explains that salvation is offered through the teachings of Jesus Christ. This particular passage, we find a more general list of ways in which individuals, individual Christians and groups and churches are to behave. Ways that are about building up the community and not necessarily about individual holiness, although there is a time and place for that as well. But love is at the top of Paul's list, as it is often in his writings. We assume this word agape, or this selfless kind of love, this universal, unconditional, highest form of love, the very essence of God, only refers to the feelings Christians have for one another. But it actually mirrors the practical care the early church was known for. And to further clarify this sort of love, Paul goes on to list other characteristics in which love shows itself to be true versus pretend. He names the most basic moral commandments or commands to hate what is evil and to cling to what is good. Paul continues to draw an outline as to how the church in Rome can build community with one another. They must be real in affection. Christians should look up to one another and honor each other. They should remain persistent and eager. The spirit should remain alive and well, like a fire on a stove burning to keep a house warm. They should be filled with joy and remain patient under suffering like we talked about a few weeks ago. They should share with those in need and be hospitable to everyone that they come in contact with. Paul then switches from talking about Christians in the community to talking about those who would harm them. The specific persecution in the Rome church is not named, but is it is assumed that in this time, persecution was sure to come to those who remained loyal to Jesus' teachings. And the appropriate response given to us by Paul was that 
a blessing should be extended, not a curse. It reminds me of when my brother and I were, would always often fight, and every hour one of us would go rant to our mom about how annoying or how much we couldn't tolerate each other, and she'd just respond by saying, well, that's your brother, you gotta love him anyways. That's what Paul was urging to the Christian community. He finally told those in Rome to be in community with people. Not only treat everyone as equal, but to take it a step further to associate with those who had no status. In other words, Paul is saying, be like Jesus. Be radical in love and put love into action. This past week, I witnessed radical love being put into action. I was privileged enough to attend Youth Force with five of our kiddos from Village and two from Quell Springs United Methodist Church. For those of you that don't know what Youth Force is, it is a week-long junior and senior high mission experience that happens all across Oklahoma every summer. Since its beginnings in 1987, the Oklahoma United Methodist Conference has sponsored this work camp that is repairing homes and transforming lives. And fun fact, I recently learned that Village United Methodist Church, this church, was one of the, one of the three churches that had helped start this program. Several of our kids had different projects across Oklahoma City, Dell City, and Midwest City. My group and two others were assigned to uh, different trailers within a trailer park just off of South MacArthur. These were homes that were of low-income family in a high Hispanic or Latino community, and most of which did not have the means to attend to their much-needed repairs on the homes. Radical love was shown when these young people gave up a week of their summer to gather and care for those who needed, the, who needed it the most. Radical love was shown as they painted houses, sealed roofs, built wheelchair ramps, trimmed bushes. Radical love was shown as some of the older kids in my group sought out a group of teenagers walking in that trailer park and sat with them a few minutes under the shade tree and just talked. Radical love was demonstrated as the group of teens offered the extra lunches that we had to those in the community who looked like they needed a little more food. What a remarkable experience to be surrounded by those young lives full of joy, marked by purpose, and putting love into action as our friend Paul outlines our scripture. Finding our way and fulfilling our purpose in life only requires a yes to God, but more often than not, we find ourselves hesitant to say yes, and we don't let God use us to build God's kingdom here on earth through this radical love. Like Sarah and Abraham, many of us might feel like we're too old, or too young like Jeremiah. 
Maybe we are like Moses and second-guess ourselves due to our voices that tell us often we're not good enough, we're not smart enough, we're tough enough, when in fact God has equipped us for the things God has called us to. Whatever insecurities that we may have that prevent us from living out our purpose as Christians, we should instead listen to the advice of a good friend of mine and a track star named Aminat. She's the most decorated athlete in Oklahoma City University history. Ogmanot Olawara just wrapped up her college career this weekend, breaking the 10,000 meter record in national championships on Friday. Brian Mueller has the story of the Nigerian native who still finds a way to help her home country half a world away. When you watch Ogmanot Olawara run, you might notice something a little odd. So most of the meets I go, I just run by myself. Don't get her wrong, there are other people running. It's just the dominance that comes with a 14-time national champion in track and cross country. Aminat has the fastest time in the 5K this year and the 10K, that one, by over two minutes. We go to competition every day and win everything. We want someone to challenge you, we want people to beat you, so I just want that challenge, but I don't get it most of the time. I know a lot of people that have great genetics that just didn't have a work ethic. <laughs> And so she works hard, you know, she's out here every day putting in the work, uh, you know, running twice a day at times. Distance has defined Amina, from running to her journey to Oklahoma. She's from Lagos, Nigeria, about a thousand 10Ks away from Oklahoma City. She came to America for an education, but she has found so much more. Most of us that came from Africa, we just want a place where we're gonna belong. And the first day I came, I kind of feel like the way everybody was so nice and uh, I think that is all I want, just to be part of something. And I'm so happy to be in Oklahoma City. Oklahoma now feels like home for Aminat, but her first months in the country were marked by tragedy. In March of 2014, her mother suddenly passed away in Nigeria. So I didn't think about it much, because the more I think about it, I just gonna beat myself down. And my mom doesn't want that for me. She wants me to keep going. The end time I'm running, I just believe my mom is still with me. Aminat has carried her spirit with her beyond the track. She started the Aminat Oluwara Foundation in 2017 in her mother's memory. The foundation juggles a number of projects to help impoverished people in Nigeria, from collecting shoes from teammates to send back to her home country, to helping a girl get a new prosthetic leg. So my mom always told me there's nothing good and give it back to people. Even though if you don't have much, you don't need to wait until you have a lot before you can give back. Every day, every time, any time I wake up, I just wanted to make a changes in some people's life. But Aminat still has her work cut out for her. It's estimated that 44% of people in Nigeria live in poverty. And while she's crossed the finish line of her college career, Aminat's just getting started. I'm still going far. This is just the beginning. For the Oklahoma Ford Sports Blitz, Brian Mueller reporting. People of God, you don't have to be the brightest. You don't have to be the fastest. And as Aminat said, you don't have to have a lot. 
But whether you are a young adult juggling college, trying out service to our country, or whether you are a youth engaged in a week's worth of missions, or you have no clue what you're doing with your life at this time, or you're a track star who builds a foundation for those impoverished, whatever season you are in your life, God has a purpose for you. And as Paul urges us, we should run our race with radical love for all people. May it be so, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.